kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called unto him David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. He's not only a cripple, he's an orphan. Because his daddy's dead. He has no hope and he has no life and he has no future. The king, I can, I, can, I, can, I can hear him now. He's just the one I've been looking for. He says, and the king said unto him, Where is he? Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel and Lodibar. Then the king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. Wasn't it a great day in your life when God told you don't be afraid? For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Zeba Saul's servant and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, shall, uh, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as what? Oh, yeah. It's fixing to get thick in a minute, amen. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all they, or excuse me, and all that dwelled in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelled in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Dear Heavenly Father, touch us now tonight. In Jesus' name, bring the anointing of God upon this place. I pray the Holy Ghost will move up and down these aisles, and I pray he'll speak to my heart and my mind. Let me preach like a dying man to a dying world. I pray your will be done tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to once again welcome you and thank you for coming tonight. And I want to share a thought with you. Uh, It kind of goes along with the song that we just heard. We just read about a man by the name of Mephibosheth, and we know King David. King David is probably a more familiar name to you. Uh, king David was the second king of Israel, but he was a good buddy, a good friend, and a good pal to the first king of Israel's son, Jonathan. After Saul was killed in battle, David assumed the throne. David was the anointed one of God. David was the one that God had planned to take the throne. Well, there came a time, listen, Saul and Jonathan were killed in the same battle, and that left Mephibosheth basically an orphan at five years old. There was, a, there was a, a situation that you need to understand. At that point in time, in that day, if a, if a king fell from kingship or if he was killed in battle, most of the time the reigning king or the next king would go in and destroy all of the royal family. And the nursemaid who took care of Mephibosheth uh, was afraid for his life and went and grabbed him and took him to rescue his life and dropped him. 
uh, at five years old, because of her haste and because of her hurry and because of her fear of his life, she took him and ran but accidentally dropped him. And because of that fall, he became crippled. He became a lame man on both of his feet. He could not walk. He could not run. He could not move around like most people can move today. And because of that, if you know, back in that day, they did not have Social Security. They did not have welfare. And if you were a lame person, if you were a person of that that nature, you had no future, you had no hope. All you could do was beg or, or try and hope that somebody else would take care of you. And that was the life he had. At one point, he wore royal raiment. At one point, he ran up and down the hallways of the palace. At one point in his life, he was the grandson of the king. He was a prince in his life. He had royal blood flowing through his veins. But all of a sudden, in the moment of time, one moment of time, his life was reduced to ashes. His life was reduced to something that nobody wants. His life was shattered and his dreams were gone. It's amazing to me. What happens in life sometimes, we all have dreams. We all have desires. We all have things that we want to see happen in our life. Sometimes we have dreams for our children or we have dreams for our families. And sometimes in one moment of time, all of our dreams can be shattered in a moment of time. We see he's now in a place called Lodibar. Lodibar was a difficult place. The name Lodibar means no pasture. No thing, no providence, nothing there. No hope and no future for him. But now we see another king has ascended the throne. King David, the anointed one of God, the man after God's own heart. King David began to remember and reminisce about his days as a good friend to Jonathan. And he said, I want to do something for somebody of the house of Saul. I remember the covenant that I made with Jonathan. I remember the agreement that I made with my friend Jonathan. There was a day when they got together because, see, Jonathan knew that David was the next in line. Jonathan knew that David would ascend the throne. He said, would you be kind to my family? Would you be kind to my kids? Would you be kind to my lineage? and they made a covenant that day. Well, I'm telling you, that was made and David was in the palace. David was remembering all of these things and David said, oh, is there anybody left? I want to be good to somebody. I want to share with you three things tonight. Three things tonight. Number one, I want you to see a broken son. A broken son. Say that back with me. I want you to see a a broken son. We see one, and I just told you, he had a future. He had a destiny. He would have been a prince, but somebody dropped him. He had a future. You know, what was broken, preacher? Well, according to those scriptures, Brother Kendrick, he was broken in his feet. In his feet. There is everything in the Bible draws pictures of salvation. You look at it, you read it, you study it from the front to the back. It's always Jesus showing his redemptive plan to you. You say, who in the world is Mephibosheth? I believe Mephibosheth is a type of the sinner. He is a type of the sinner who at one point in his life, 
He had a relationship with God Almighty. There was a time, listen, in mankind when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. There was a time when man walked in the cool of the day with God. Man had great, wonderful fellowship with an eternal God who made everything there is to see. He made everything and walked and talked and fellowship with him. But because of a fall, he was separated from God. Mephibosheth is a type of the sinner. He was broken in his feet. You say, what's that got to do with me? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus or your personal Savior, I don't care how many leaves you turn over, you're not going to do right. I don't care how many uh, conferences you go to. I don't care how many meetings you attend. I don't care what you do in your life. If you're here today without Christ, you can try and try and try, but you're not ever going to be able to do what you need to do. It's amazing to me the people that come to me and I say, trust Christ, listen, get saved, accept the Lord as your personal Savior, and God will change your life. Well, I'm trying to get better, and when I get better, I'll come to Him. No, it don't work that way. You cannot get better. You cannot fix yourself. This is not something that you can do on your own. Only God can change the heart of a sinner. And He has broken in His feet. There was a day when I was lost that I couldn't do right. As, my, as hard as I tried, I'd still fall and, listen, mess up. As, as long as I tried, I still did it. You know what? You can't be a good daddy without being saved. You can't be a good husband without being saved. You can't be all that you can be without trusting Christ because you are broke. You are broke. He was broke in his feet. He had broken feet. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and in sins. Where in time past, where in time past, this is what we used to be. Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, we all, every one of us had our conversation or behavior in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. You ever wonder why you don't have to send your, school, your, your child to school to teach him how to lie? You ever wonder that? Little Johnny comes natural at being a liar. Did you do that? Uh-uh. Why, you sat there and watched him. I mean, right there in front of you. They'll tell you a bald-faced lie. And you know what? I never sat down with my children. I said, now, Jordan, this is the proper way to tell a lie. You got to do it this way, right? I never did that. But I guarantee you, son, they had a Ph.D. degree in telling a, a story. Say amen. My, my brother, he's got a vivid imagination like me. I mean, we, 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 we have great imaginations. It comes hereditary because my dad's got a good one. He, he is imagining he's going to outrun me in my Chevelle. That's a great imagination he has right there. One day at school, see, he's imagining it now. It's, it never ends, amen. One day at school, my little brother, he was, telling, he was telling all the children in his kindergarten class he had a four-wheeler and he had a horse and he had, I mean, he was laying it thick. Laying it thick, and the teacher told my mom about it. And mom said, now, Joe, was you telling all, them all this stuff? He said, no, nah, mom, I was just tricking them. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we can sugarcoat our sin? We start from a very young age. But you know what? Why do, why do we do that? Because we get here broke. And I know some of you think you got it all down, but you broke just like we are. 
The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there is none righteous, no, not one. I was pastoring in South Carolina in an old country church. I'm talking about a church that was there during the Civil War. I mean an old country church. And there's some people still fighting it over there, I do believe. And I asked this lady, I said, ma'am, are you a Christian? She says, I've always been a Christian. I thought to myself, no, you ain't neither, amen. I'm beginning to wonder now, hallelujah. Everybody gets here the same way. The Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into this world, every person born after Adam was a sinner. We're broke, we're broke. He was not only broke in his feet, but he was broke in his future. I looked up that word, I looked up that word, uh, uh, Mephibosheth, just his name. His name means dispeller of shame. You know, there's some people, there's some people when you think their name, you automatically think of the thing they did. You think of the one who blew up the FBI building, and that's the first thing you think of. You name different names, and automatically you think of their shame. It's even sad. It's even sad that, you know, a a, a man of God can be right and do great for years and years and years and years, and and then he make a mistake and fall and fail. But you know what people remember? That's shame. And Mephibosheth's name means dispeller of shame. Uh, His place that he resided was Lodibar. Nothing. No hope. Nothing. All that he could depend on is what somebody else could do for him. He was there at the mercy of everybody else. Boy, that's the way a lot of people are today. They have no hope. Brother Hawkins, they're living a life and they go to funerals and they look at a casket with no hope and despair. They sit at home and they look at a spouse who they're not getting along with and they're wondering why in the world are we even together and they look at the situation as no hope. They look at children with problems and they give up on their teenagers and think not not even God in heaven could fix that teenager and they think there is no hope. The Bible says very clearly in Ephesians 2, verse 12, it says that at that time you were without Christ. Now what does it mean to be without Christ? Strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be like the brethren that have no hope. Concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Boy, when you give up hope, it's all over. People that are fighting cancer, when they lose hope, they die. People that are fighting, listen, as, as prisoners of war, they've got to keep that hope. When they lose hope, it's all over. It's all done. Preacher, what are you saying? You don't know the problems I have. No, I don't know the problems you have, but I know the God that I have. He is the great problem solver. He will pe- listen, He will speak peace in your storm. He will calm the waves. Listen, the wind in your life, there's not a storm He can't get you through. There's not a valley He can't bring you through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. We have a God who can change your life. He can bring hope where there is no hope. He can bring light out of darkness. He can bring health out of disease. There is nothing that he can't do. We see this broken son. Some of you here tonight are broken. You're looking at me like a calf at a new gate because you feel like I'm telling a lie. But I'm telling you, 
You may be sitting in the same place Mephibosheth sat for years with no hope. You say, preacher, you don't know my past. Your name may be a dispeller of shame like Mephibosheth. You may be sitting here thinking nobody cares about me and nobody would want me. Preacher, if you just knew where I've been. Preacher, if you just knew what I did, not even God would care about me. Well, honey, i got news for you. I came to tell you tonight there's a king looking for you. Listen, we have a benevolent sovereign. Not only do we see in this picture a broken son, but thank God we have a benevolent sovereign. I looked up that word benevolent because I didn't know how to spell it. Amen. It means prone to doing good. You know what? That's the way our God is. He's just prone to be good to you at any moment's notice. The Bible says every good gift and perfect gift is from Him from which is above. Amen? God is a good God. He's benevolent. He's giving. Listen, He loves you with every fiber of His being. He loves you. Church, say amen. How do you know that? How do you know that? I know He's benevolent because of the search He instigated. Do you realize, Brother Johnny... I didn't go looking for him. Brother Hawkins, I didn't go looking for God. He came looking for me. You say, why didn't you go looking for him? Because I was crippled. See, I was in Lodibar. I was in that place of no pasture. I, I couldn't have went and looked for him if I wanted to look for him. Because I was broke. I didn't even know where to find him. We see, we see Mephibosheth down here in this awful place, this place of no hope and no help. And he is sitting in this place and wondering whether, whether this is all that life has to offer. But the whole time behind the scenes, he didn't realize that there was somebody that was on the throne that was thinking about him. You are sitting here and you think I'm telling you a story. You think I'm telling you a lie. And then listen, you've listened to every lie of Satan to say that you're no good and nobody cares about you. Well, all of this time, God is on the throne. There is a king in glory who is seeking you out. The Bible said he is as the shepherd who would leave the 90 and 9 and go out and look for that one. He is coming looking for you. I, I, I quoted the verse this morning. I, I, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of miry clay and set my foot on a rock. You say, what did he do? He came to where I was. I couldn't get to where he was so he came to where I was to get me into the place I needed to be. Hallelujah. I didn't have the ability. I didn't even have the desire. Think about that. I didn't want God when God wanted me. Some of you didn't. You don't even want to be here now. That's right. That's your heart right now. You don't want to even be here now. But there's somebody that's real tickled you are. Because see, he knows you're going to hear that he's looking for you. And all of a sudden... He instigates a search. He says, is there anybody that knows anybody in the, house of, in the house of Jonathan and Saul that I can be good to? Ziba says, I do. I know him. I not only know his name, I know his need. You say, who is Ziba? I believe he's a type of the Holy Spirit. You know what? The Holy Ghost knew exactly where to find me. 
You think you can hide from him, but he'll hunt you down, honey. Or I'll go to the bar and get drunk. He'll sit on the bar stool right beside you. I don't believe that. Oh, no, I got Bible for you. He said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. He said, if I go up into the mountains, thou art there. If I go down in the bottom of the sea, thou art there. Where are you going to run from him? He's an ever-present God. He's everywhere at the same time. You're not going to outrun him. You're not going to get away from him. He wants you. He desires you. He loves you. And he's looking for you. He instigated a search. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Then we see the servant he involved. The servant he involved. John 16.7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. Now this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, It is expedient for you that I go away. It's very important for you. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. That Comforter is the Holy Spirit, by the way. He will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. The word reprove means to convince. You say, prove to me that there's a Holy Ghost. Prove to me there's a Holy Spirit who is convincing right now. That's why you feel like you feel right now. Well, who is that Holy Spirit? He's the one making your heart beat real fast right now. So how do you know that's going on? Because I've been in the seat you're sitting in. I remember the day when I was lost and undone without God or His Son. I was just like Mephibosheth there in Lodibar. And the old man of God stood up and read that Bible and said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That preacher read, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, for God, he loved you before you knew him. And it said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In every verse he quoted, I started getting nervous. I started feeling sweating. I started feeling the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was telling me, that's right, that's right. Every word he said is right, just like right now. The harder I preach, the harder he's telling you, you better listen to that old-fashioned Bible preacher because he knows what he's talking about. He's the comforter. He's that servant who knows where you are. He's the one who knows what you need. Hallelujah. Some of you are thinking, I'm never going back in that place again. But you know what? You're going to leave with that servant trailing you. You may get away from me. But you won't get away from him. See, I, you say, how do you know all that? Because I said the same thing. I was sitting there in that sermon. I said, dear God, if he'll ever shut up and me get out of here, I'll feel a whole lot better. You know what? I left, but I couldn't get out of my mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not. I couldn't forget that. He knows who you are. And you know what? When I couldn't get to God, the Holy Spirit got me to him. I believe Zeba was the one that went down to him and said, Son, there's a king that's looking for you. And the Bible said he fetched him. He carried him. He carried him. You know what? That proves you can't do it on your own. You're going to need to let God provide the transportation. So what transportation did he provide? 
You're going to come by way of the cross. Church, say amen. We see a benevolent, benevolent sovereign. And then I'm through, I'm through. Number three. What was number one in this story? We see a... Then number two, we see a... But then you know what? This is the cool part. It's one thing... It's one thing to have the favor of the king. That's one thing. And it's one thing to know that somebody's thinking about you. Y'all with me? Everybody likes to feel important, don't we? We all like to feel needed. And I'm sure, I'm sure that when, I'm sure there was a little fear involved in the beginning because he probably thought, well, they finally found me. He finally found me. I'm going to die now. But when they gently, tenderly lifted him up and put him in that chair and said, Son, the king has got something for you. And brought him to the king. This is what the king said. He said, Mephibosheth, from now on, this man right here who told me about you, he's going to serve you the rest of your life. And he's going to work your fields. I'm going to give you everything that your granddaddy had. In other words, he restored back to him that which was rightfully his in the first place. He said, I'm going to give you everything that your daddy lost when he died. I'm going to have these servants to work the fields and bring the, the, the fruit in for you. You say, what, what, did, what supply do we see in these verses? God restored fruitfulness to his life. There was a day when he could not produce anything but hurt and shame. There was a day that the only thing that he had in his life was difficulty, disappointment, discouragement, and depression. But there was now a time that he could sit and look out the window of the palace and he could see a farm that was his. He could see fruit that was his. He could see workers that was his. God had changed his life forever. Preacher, what are you saying? What's that got to do with me? I got a verse for you. The Bible says in 2 Samuel Chapter number 9, verse 10, this is talking about Mephibosheth. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in thy fruits, and thy master's son may have food to eat. You see, before he had no future, but now it was laid out for him. There was a great verse that I read in the book of Amos, chapter number 3, verse 12. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, Two legs or a piece of an ear. Say, so what does that verse mean? I always wondered about that, and I really studied that out and prayed hard about that. And if you'll, if you'll read commentary, see, shepherds out in the field, sometimes a lion would slip in. Sometimes a lion would slip in and grab one of those lambs or grab one of those sheep and take them off and devour them. Well, do you realize the shepherd cares about every single sheep in the flock? And he knows what sheep are there. And, and you know that God told us this, that the devil's as a roaring lion, roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And God said this to me. I looked up that word in commentaries, the, the Bible study commentaries, said that the leg, and the two pieces of leg, or two legs and a piece of an ear, were the insignificant parts of the sheep. Insignificant parts. Uh, didn't get much meat off of it. I uh, didn't get no wool off of it. It was really something that wasn't really that important to the shepherd. So why would the shepherd risk his life to go after a lion and take out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear? 
I mean, what was the big deal? It was insignificant. Man, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, son, the shepherd cares about every sheep. And it may be insignificant to others, but there is no part of the sheep's life that is insignificant to the shepherd. And the devil may have destroyed your life. The devil may have pulled you into addiction and into drugs. He may have destroyed your marriage. He may have destroyed your family. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll give God what is left, it may be nothing but two legs and a piece of an ear. But if you'll put that in God's hands, He can do more with two legs and a piece of an ear than any lost man can do with a whole body. You say, I don't have any talent. I don't have anything left. I'm up in years. or I'm, I've wasted my life with the devil. There is nothing insignificant. If you can shake a hand, God cares about that. God can use a handshake. God can use a glass of water. God can use whatever you have to offer. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a stroke victim walking on a cane. But if you smile and tell somebody, Jesus loves you, that is significant to God. He will restore fruitfulness in your life. What are you talking about, fruitfulness? I love what I get to do. I get to see things in my life. I am fulfilled in my life. I don't just go to work and go home and pay bills. I'm not just existing in this life. I am fulfilled. I am satisfied. I enjoy my life. And I don't care if you're a plumber or a painter or an architect or a lawyer or a doctor. You can live in such a way, if you'll give God your life, you can be fulfilled in everything you do. And not just endure life, but enjoy life. God will restore fruitfulness into your life. But not only that, and we're done... He restored fruitfulness into the life of Mephibosheth. But then look in verse, look in verse number. Help me, I believe it's verse number 11. Then said Zeb unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. When you're crippled, people know it. If you're walking down the street, people know it. If you're trying to do most anything, people know it. But do you know, when Mephibosheth slid up to the king's table, He looked like everybody else. <laughs> Preacher, what's that, what's that mean to you? I'll tell you what it means to me. All of y'all see the Sunday best, what everybody's looking like. I mean, it looks like Ken and Barbie all over the place in here. But that's because they're slid up to the king's table. What's, what some of y'all don't realize, some of these come out the crack house. There's a few of these come out the jailhouse. I have, a, I, have a, I have a church member, their ministry is to call me when one of my church members gets thrown in jail, amen? Y'all laugh, I've been there, amen? But you know what, in here, 
we all look the same. See, that's something about the blood of Christ. When you come and sing Amazing Grace, nobody cares where you've been. Because we all have been there. (laughs) Oh, God is a God who restores fellowship. Fellowship. Did you notice how that was worded? He's not just going to eat at my table. That's a blessing all by itself. But he said he's going to eat at my table as what? No, he didn't say my sons. One of the king's sons. Well, that was awful good of David. That's true. But do you realize... He really was a king's son? David was just restoring him back to where he already should have been. What's that got to do with me? There was a day when Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day. There was a day when Adam walked in fellowship with God as a king's son. And because of a fall, he lost his hope. But Jesus Christ came to restore that fellowship. And when I couldn't get to where God was, Jesus came and he reached down for me and then reached up to the Father and brought us together. There was a gentleman in my old church that loved to sing that song, When My Savior Reached Down for Me. I was near to despair when he came to me there. I was wretched and vile as could be. And my Savior in love came down from above. And my Savior reached down for me. Listen, God loves you. Would you trust him tonight? You say, but I don't know what to do. Just believe him. You know, all Mephibosheth had to do was get in the chariot and believe God. He did everything. He didn't have to pick himself up. The soldiers did it for him. Go fetch him. Study that word out. All he had to do was believe the message that the servant said, the king is looking for you. And I want to tell you tonight, No matter where you've been, no matter who you are, the king's looking for you. And if he can save me, he can save anybody. We don't have time tonight for everybody to go into their story. But if you actually knew who in this crowd and what God saved them from, I promise you, you'd believe the king can get the job done. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy tonight.